Peace, peace. This is Soul Messiah. And when I'm not eating veggie grub somewhere in New York City, I'm listening to Mastermind. Welcome to Mastermind, the home of black excellence and self-mastery. Yes, your host, Mr. G. Welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us today on the journey towards self-mastery. Our next guest is a hip-hop legend. He's been in the hip-hop game for over 34 years as a producer, DJ, and member of the Rocksteady B-Boy crew. He's worked and produced for a number of people in the music industry, including TLC, Boyz to Men, Madonna, Dead Prez, J Electronica, David Banner, Monica, Talim Kweli, Young Jeezy, Nappy Roots, Chameleonaire, and Jay-Z. He creates music with high vibrations and positive energy that he identifies as God Hop. He's also responsible for producing the tracks of one of the dopest MCs of today, Cy Rock, and has been her official producer for over 20 years. Let's welcome today the legendary producer, Soul Messiah, to the program. Peace, peace. My brother, how are you? I am well, man. Definitely pleasure having you on, man. Uh, I admire the work that you do. Um, you know, been listening to your work for a minute, so definitely an honor, man. Indeed. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, so kind of wanted to start with the name, man. Um, that kind of stuck out to me, like when I first started listening to your music, Soul Messiah and everything. So I always wondered what that name means and kind of the origins of it. Well, that name was, it's a, what it is, is a lot of people mistake it for a, a, a hip hop name. It's not. It's just my righteous name. If anybody understands a righteous name, it's a, a, a name given to when you're young, you do a rites of passage and then you go through this rites of passage and then uh, that name soul it's soul dean messiah actually but everybody's called me soul messiah and soul is the center or son or one and messiah is savior of so i guess my elders was like one savior and i was i actually didn't receive the name until i was 17 or 18 years old and uh i'm a lot older now but <laughs> but yeah that's where that comes from it comes from a, a a rites of passage that i had to go through and you know as you become a man all right, got you. So you mentioned elders, rites of passage. I know you kind of grew up in, you know, the age of black consciousness, the height of it and uh, the height of hip hop, really, man. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, what was that journey like for you kind of growing up in um, both of those things, like at the same time, man? I mean, you know that. I mean, it's funny to me that goes together, consciousness and hip hop, because if you think about all our artists going through the eighties, going into the nineties, it was KRS One, it was Rock M, it was Soul Sonic Force, Universal Zulu Nation, uh, which I was a part of, and with 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 B Boy and Period, it was a, a it was like infused with African culture. You know what I mean? It, for instance, we dealt with the four facets of hip hop, which would be B Boying, MCing, and DJing, and uh, graffiti. Right? right. So those four facets also tie into African culture. B-boying the dancers are the African dancers in Africa. The MCN and rapping is the griot, which is the spoken word, which is the legacies carried down through family through word. Uh, the graffiti is like the hieroglyphs and all the arts in Africa. The, uh, what I said, B-boying, MCN, DJ, and the DJN is the drummer, the African drummer. You know what I mean? So it was all together. It was, we were taught that 
you can't separate one from the other. The cultures worldwide throughout the, the, the diaspora are the same. We just do it in, and, and do it in, and it comes out in different ways around the diaspora. Mm, that makes so much sense, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as that, did you, were you like enrolled kind of like Cyrock in a school teaching you about the culture and everything or, um, no, you just I have grew up in the hood, in the but hip hop was one of those things that saved me though. When, when, when I was growing up in the hood, it, you know, you had B boys and, um, it was the breaking actually, cause that was the more physical everyday thing we could deal with was, uh, in different crews. I was in uh, a crew in the early eighties and, uh, the, the, the breaking is what brought me in, you know, B boying and, um, you know, I ended up learning from through hip hop through the the uh older cats like in the in, in the culture at that time. Cause they had knowledge of self and we was like, yo, what they dealing with? You know, they seemed cooler to me than dope boys, so I was like, I'm gonna do that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so this is this is in Atlanta or when you came up This is in Atlanta. Yep. A lot of people have a misconception. They think Atlanta, they think Texas, they say country, right? <laughs> nah, we were doing the same thing at the same time. That's what people don't understand. It's a misconception. And people of age will tell you, they'll be like, well, I mean, we were breaking the early 80s. We was doing graffiti early 80s. We did the exact same things. It just was bigger in New York. That's where it was born, they say. So, of course, you're going to have more of it there. But early 80s, I was popping. By 1981, I was breaking and, you know what I mean, doing graffiti. By 82, I was at graffiti. But Breakham was 81, 82. So what was that initial, like, initial, I guess, uh, introduction or falling in love with music for you to kind of get you on that path? It was brothers and sisters. A lot of them were from New York, actually. And they would be talking about rocking. They called it rocking. And that was the dancing. And that was the b-boying. And they was talking about rapping. You know what I mean? And um, it's funny because at that time, we didn't call it hip-hop. But... um. You had rappers and you had breakers and it was just through people, you know, the kids were talking and we would, you know, we would keep, we had a little, our little graffiti books and dance contests and, and that's how it started just from word of mouth. You know what I mean? Just word of mouth in the neighborhoods, you know what I mean? And, um, that's how it kicked in. It just spread throughout the different neighborhoods. Gotcha. Were you like, were you growing up like playing instruments and stuff like that too? Yeah. I, I, when we were little, that's one thing I do give the South down here. They put an instrument in everybody's hands. You going to play trumpet or you going to play clarinet or you going to play drums. And we all were able to do, do something. And I grew up playing trumpet, clarinet, drums and trombone. And it's, and that started in elementary school when they put the instruments in our hands. So we are, I was already musically inclined. You know, and uh, I was in the marching band and a jazz band. So, you know, we was already doing music. So it just it was a it made sense that 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 evolution into doing hip hop. Hmm. Got it. Got it. So what did like that, I guess, because I consider you like almost like an expert at your craft. Like what did that 10,000 hours kind of look like for you? Were you yeah, just so caught up like in me, it? It's, that- like, it's like 60 to 100,000. But. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, you know, so, so like I said, we, we was already doing music. So you had the drummers and you had the, you know, people's playing uh, keyboards and stuff. But the funny part is we didn't do the musical part didn't kick in to late eighties, early nineties. I'm talking about the musical influence of what us actually playing instruments. Cause we had turntables and uh, drum machines. Cause at first we didn't, a lot of brothers didn't touch the keyboards in the eighties. It was the, I, you know, I had to end up being a DJ. I was interested in the technical side of it, so I always mess with the turntables. And um, 
the DJ, we were just playing breaks. So we learned about, you know, uh, my dad, like he was an avid collector of records. So, you know, I would go through all the old records and there was always a place in them records. You hear about the break in the record and we take that break, man. And we would just hit that break back and forth on each turntable. And that was the, that was the first producer, which was the DJ. And we was, you know, I would, I was the only one that knew how to either do it on cassette, the pause button. You heard about the pause button tapes and, or with the turntable. But let me tell you this, 1984, 85, it was hard to get your hands on turntables because it costs a lot of money. Funny part is we're talking about like $50. But for a kid <laughs> yeah, at 13 exactly. or 14, you had to cut grass, get that together. Then you could get your hands on some turntables. So I did. Uh, and um, that's how I started DJing. From cutting grass, saving my money, and my dad matched me. You buy one turntable, I'll buy the other. And that's how I got my first set. <laughs> so did you, were you like the man in the neighborhood at that point? Man? Yep. Like, uh, yep. It was only a few <laughs> of us. Like literally in my neighborhood, there were three brothers. His brother named Booby. Booby died uh, after high school. And uh, me, at that time, I was Kid Crush, DJ Kid Crush. And a brother named JC, who, by the way, DJ JC is a world-class DJ. And he's also a DJ for Goody Mob. And um, it was only, it was it was like us two, basically. And I was the only one that had turntables because <laughs> JC didn't have turntables. So he had to come by my house uh, or Booby's house and use the turntables. And... um. That's how I started. It was only, like I said, and I was in uh, right outside of the city of Atlanta in a city called Decatur. And it was just, it wasn't a lot. It was a few. Like, for instance, across town in Atlanta, uh, College Park, well, in Atlanta, there was a brother named DJ Toomp. And if anybody knows who DJ Toomp is, at the same time I was doing it, he was doing it. Toomp is the producer for T.I., Jeezy, Kanye West. He, he produced all that. And he was on the other side of town. He's still doing it, too. His his claim to fame would be more T.I. within, because both of us worked on Jeezy in the beginning, but we did a lot of big records for T.I. Most of those hits you here, but he was also contemporary early DJ in the city. That's interesting, man. Um, I feel like mm-hmm. you, you just like are in the beginning, the beginnings of hip hop and that whole movement, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so at which point did you kind of have it in your head that you wanted to go into the center, like go into New York? Like what made you want to? Leave Atlanta. I mean, from the beginning, I knew, <laughs> I knew, I was like, yo, I'm gonna get to New York one day. But you know, I was in high school in Atlanta, and I was supposed to go to college, and I was like, yo, when I graduate, I'm going, I'm moving to New York. My mom was like, no, you're not, you're going to college. <laughs> I was like, what do I go to college in New York? And then I saw how much it cost to go to college in New York, and I didn't have no scholarship, so I did end up going though. Right when I gra- I graduated in 1988 in high school, and I went straight to, well, I actually went to Philly first, then I went made my way up to New York. And it was over because, you know, it was still graffiti and I was breaking still. And uh, that's also when I ended up entering uh, Rocksteady Crew a little bit after that. But when I, you know, I just made my way up, you know what I mean? And um, that was it. I was like, OK, they, they still doing it. It's strong. And I didn't have to be in New York, I realized, to be able to participate in hip hop. Because, as you know, Atlanta has started growing strong with hip hop early 90s. So. You know, that's why all the R&B, all the hip hop R&B that you hear comes out of Atlanta, with the exception of Teddy Riley, of course. Man, so going to New York, did you have it in your head initially that you wanted to be a part of the Rocksteady crew or, or did that just yeah, come together? Yeah, when we had crews when we were younger. And I mean, it was a dream and no one believed that you could ever be in the Rocksteady crew. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but to be honest, I hooked up with Rocksteady crew initially in Atlanta, not even in New York. 
uh, my brother, my blood brother, he uh, worked at um, this uh, convention center. And mm-hmm. he told me one day he came back and he said, yo, I met Mr. Wiggles. I said, you met Mr. Wiggles? He's like, yeah. He said, and I told him, my brother, B-Boy, and he'll wreck all of y'all. And I was just like, oh, my God, you didn't tell him that, did you? He's like, yeah. And he was like, here's the address and the phone number, the hotel where he is. Go see him. And I was like, damn. <laughs> he done told him I battle him. But I did go see him because you don't, if you get a chance to go meet one of the brothers, you do it. So I went and um, Mr. Wiggles in Quick Step, brother named Quick Step, opened the door of the hotel room and he was like, Peace. And uh, I was like, Peace. He's like, Your brother told us that you would wreck us. I was like, Come on, man. I'm just trying to meet y'all brothers and build. So I did. I remember they, we, I went into the room and they pushed the beds apart cut on a boom box and just start getting busy. And we were just going back and forth, back and forth, just rocking, showing skills. And I remember Mr. Wiggles said, yo, when you come to New York, hit me up. This is my number. You know what I'm saying? I'll introduce you to the crew. I didn't mm-hmm. ask to be in the crew or nothing. I ended up going to New York probably two, two or three months after that. And then um, I got to building with them and they was like, yo, I rocked that night at this, it was at a release, a re- what you call a rap party for this movie called Sankofa. I don't know if you ever heard of Sankofa. Yes, sir. Yep, yep. Right. It was the rap party for that. So if you know anything about Sankofa, you know how all them beautiful women was in that movie, right? I got to meet all them women. So, you know, I was like, <laughs> but I was with my girlfriend that night too. Though, so it wasn't working out like I wanted to, but, uh, uh, they was like, yo, come to the studio tomorrow and, uh, we want you to try out for the crew. I was like, what? Try out for Rocksteady crew? What do I got to do? You're talking about like the like, biggest dance crew at, like in the world at the time, right? On earth. On wow. Earth. I'm like, what? So I was like, what I got to do? And they were like, yo, you got to battle crazy legs. I was like, wait, hold on. Him? <laughs> I got to battle him. I was like, oh, whatever. All right, man. So I ended up going up and battling him. He wrecked me. But they were like, yo, man, start coming down here. We was on we was on uh, 14th, 6th Avenue and 14th Street. It was a studio up there. And we started to practice. I got in the crew. I uh, started traveling the world with them and teaching breaking and battling in different clubs. And even got my own chapter of Rocksteady. That I got to start here in Atlanta. That's dope. And, um, what was your style was, like? What was your your breaking style? I like? was a beat boy. I was do. I did a lot of groundwork. I mean, I could pop and lock and do all that stuff. But my main thing was backspins, footwork, you know, flips and real acrobatic. You know what I'm saying? And um, you know, I was into that. Like one of my idols was Ken Swift, and I patterned a lot that I did off of Ken Swift. If anybody know who Prince Ken Swift is, look him up. He's dope, and I, he was a what they call a mugsy. Like, he's always like this. So I was into that. He's, you know, I often say he's short. Everybody in the crew is short, except for like one person. But, but, uh, I patterned a lot that I did off of him. So when I was training, I would train closely with him. And I learned a lot, of course, from legs, from crazy legs. And, uh, man, it's just, you know, it was a dream come true. Cause back home, my crew was like, wait, what happened? That actually <laughs> happened? I'm like, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like you're going to do something you dream about. And then it just happens. You know what I mean? So I, I literally, man, I was one of those kids that everything I dreamed about happened from, uh, start my own, cha- my own chapter of Rocksteady crew to traveling the world with Rocksteady to start my own chapter of Universal Zulu Nation and becoming a Zulu king and, you know, working with youth all around the world. I got wow. to do it. You know what, what, I'm what did that, what did all that involve really like outside of just the dancing? Oh, oh well, let me talk about Rocksteady or with, um, well, with oh, Rocksteady, let me start with, with Rocksteady. Zulu, yeah. Well, with Rocksteady, we they it was a business um, uh, uh, more than anything people don't understand. So what we would do is we would travel to different places in America and around the world, and we would teach classes. And that classes involved learning how to b-boy, pop a lock. 
And so people would pay money, you know, hourly for us to dance. And we also had a company called Get Original, which was a theatrical company where we took a whole theatrical uh, setup of, of the B-Boy and it had music and it was acting and it, it was dope. It was like some Broadway type stuff, but with B-Boy. And so that was with Rocksteady. Was, with Universal Zulu Nation is uh, born out of the Bronx, South Bronx, and it was a youth organization. So basically, you know, brothers and sisters was dealing with some mess in the neighborhood. So what we would do is we would have young brothers and sisters would go into the neighborhoods and mentor, basically. We right. would mentor the young cats, make sure they stayed out of trouble by getting them into the facets. So if you was into graffiti, we would have uh, stuff that they could do and do art. If he was in the MCN, we would provide studios or allow them to record. If he was in the B-Boy, they'd come work with Rocksteady and learn to dance. You know what I mean? Just different things. The DJing, you got to work under one of the DJs or, 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 or you know, carry the crates and go to the clubs and go to the performances. And So it was a really dope thing. And, um, you know, that right there spread worldwide. Rocksteady wasn't everywhere. It was a more of an exclusive thing. But Universal Zulu Nation, we tried to make sure we put it everywhere. So right now, if you go anywhere in the world, you'll find a chapter of Universal Zulu Nation somewhere near it. You know what I mean? But that was a blessing. I got to do that. I didn't know it was even that deep when I was younger. But I found out, and, it, you know, it was really helpful. You know what I mean? And working in the communities like that. Yeah, that is so dope, man. Just mm -hmm. those experiences, man. And I feel like you're such a laid-back and chill dude that, you know, people were like, yo, what? Did you really do that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. It was crazy. <laughs> For me, it was, you know, it's funny. All that time I was in college the whole time. Wow. <laughs> I had to go back and forth to Atlanta, go to class, miss out, fail tests. But I was actually working in the community. Like, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. I'd be like, actually, I am. <laughs> and I was able to make money with Rocksteady, too, though. I was able to, you know, take care of myself and pay my bills, too. So, and, and you know, it's funny because all this stuff happened at one time. Because right. at that same time, which I'm sure we'll get into next, is the production. I was doing that at the same time, too. I was just about to ask you that. <laughs> yeah. So at the same time that I was doing the breaking and b-boying, going in and out of New York and coming back and going to Europe, coming back, I was working with a brother named Dallas Austin. How'd you guys meet? Okay. So it's a brother. <laughs> There's a It's this thing called the Coalition DJs right now in America. Actually, worldwide. And it's headed by this brother named Big X. Me and Big X grew up together. He was one of the cats early in hip-hop in Atlanta. And he was a DJ also. And he knew what I dealt with. And he one day he hit me and said, yo, I see you be doing your thing. I got a partner that's uh, producing. And uh, you should go work with him, man. They, they're over there doing their thing. You should come join the team. So I was like, who is it? He said, this dude named Dallas Austin. I thought it was a joke. How's your name? Dallas Austin. That's two places <laughs> in Texas. But that was his real name. And uh, one day, I was in the hood in West End. I lived in the hood. And I heard a whole bunch of rumbling coming down the street. You know how people have systems in their car? I looked out the window, and it was two Jeeps. The old school Wrangler Jeep with the lights across the top. You know, the, the, the dope joints. And a trooper. I don't know if you remember what a trooper truck looked like. It's like. It's like a big box truck. It was dope. And they had the lights on it. I was like, who is this? They were black with chrome rims. I was like, damn. <laughs> and they stopped right in front of my apartment building. And a whole bunch of dudes got out. And I was like, what the? And they all had on black, black dickies, black hats. I was like, what is this? <laughs> and knocked on my door. And my room, me and my roommates like, oh, shit. 
They like dope boys. They look like gangsters and dope boys. So you was in trouble. Knocked, yeah, they knocked on my <laughs> door. And we took a while to open the door. We was like, who is who you want? They was like, so Messiah there. My roommate was like, yo, don't open that door. I opened it. He's like, X sent us. I was like, oh, what y'all want? And they were like, yo, you do beats, right? I was like, yeah. So can, can we come in? They had boxes in their hand, big boxes. I was like, uh, yeah. So he rolled up in the house and uh, sat down. And was like, you do beats. They said, listen, I need, I got a little brother. It was Dallas Austin's big brother, Claude Austin. He passed away, but he was a real gangster. He said, my little brother do beats. And I want you to work with him and help him build his thing up. I was like, okay. You know, we, we trying to survive. I was like, yo, what's my payment? And so he said, bring it over. So he had these two boxes. <laughs> and he opened the boxes, and it was an MPC-60, a drum machine, a Kai, and uh MPC-1200. And I was like, what's my payment? He said, that's your payment. I know for a fact them joints was $2,000 per unit back in the day. And I was like, bet. I'm with it. <laughs> so he's like, all right, this is my number. This is our address. Make sure you be up there tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. The rest is history. I went to the studio, met Dallas. He was mad cool. Uh, and... Man, we started, and that, and that's when the whole production thing. I was already doing beats, but I had that equipment. But that's when the whole production thing with other artists, because they had a big studio with all the bells and whistles, and uh, they had all these projects. So they would just bring a project and be like, "This is what we're doing. We're doing Boys to Men, and they need this kind of music." And then Dallas would write, and we and we would make beats for it, and samples and cuts, and um, we, you know, we ended up working Boys to Men, uh. TLC, uh, Madonna, and funny part about it is, um, remember ABC, Playground, all that, uh, Aisha, oh, all oh yeah, okay, the Aisha, no, yeah, yeah, all them cast was in there. They was kids then, dude. Though. <laughs> it they was funny too, cause I was I was thinking too, like were y'all in the same room? Because you know how things same are now, where people just you know they do things differently and they send it out or whatever it is. So it was all in everybody's the same working together at that point. Yeah, you talking about ninety. 91 yeah. so everybody comes in the studio and any given day you will see somebody michael jackson uh soul to soul i mean like you'd be like is that yes it is and they'd be in there <laughs> and were they and like chopping it out. up with y'all or were they like yeah, just they professional like i'm just gonna do this and be out or like no nah, it was just regular man you know I, it's funny because when the people that stick in my head are people like grace jones you know who grace jones is grace Do not jones. look her up it's the woman okay, with the bald head. Then she would have a fade, hot top fade. She made us on my Jamaican guy. Anyway, she's like your old Jamaican aunt. She's dope, but she's like a legend. You know, like she's stuck in my head, man. She was so cool and so laid back. People like her, uh, Madonna was mad cool. I think on front, she was mad cool back then. She act a little weird now, but back then she was normal. <laughs> and, um, it's just a lot of dope individuals will come through, man. And my um, boys to men, TLC, like boys to men, regular dudes, man. TLC, I came up with TLC. Lisa's from Philly, but she moved down early. But I knew Rosanda, um, what she called Rosanda, uh, what she called herself, Chili. I knew Chili and T Boz. Them, they were, you know, they were all in the neighborhoods back in the day. And I was a DJ, so I would DJ at people's hip. Uh, they school dances, so I would run. They were popular girls already, but TLC was there. They were a regular thing there. That was like family. That was part of the crew. So you know, that was a daily thing. You know, what I'm saying with them and you know people like that. And a lot of people were in Atlanta at that time, the R&B cats. And so you know, we just work on stuff, man. Work on music and 
create a bunch of dope stuff, man. A lot of good music came out then, you know what I mean? You know, you would see Usher, he was a little kid. Uh, Jermaine, Jermaine Dupree, he would be around. He had his own thing. It was like two camps, though. You know, the camps, you had Jermaine's camp and you had Dallas' camp. So, but I was cool with everybody because, you know, Jermaine also was a b-boy. We came up dancing together, so. And we would always battle, so. (laughs) I still, to this day, I tell him he can't mess with me. He said, I can't mess with (laughs) him. But, so you were yeah, a young dude at that time, man. Like, what was your mind state like? You're like being, meeting all these people and you're actually producing tracks that you're hearing and, you know. You know what's funny, though? Yep. How we say how we say I was young? Dallas was younger than me. Jermaine is younger than me. Everybody was 20 and 21 and 22 years old when we did that, which is crazy. Because now, I guess the young people are doing, but they usually do popcorn music. But yeah, you think yeah, of a yeah. more mature man or woman when you think about real music. But. They was bringing us record. We had to do record records. We was doing it. Like I said, I did Creep with Dallas. With Dallas. You know what I'm saying? That's one of the biggest records in the world. I didn't even know they had used the record. I was in New York, actually. I was on Broadway down in Soho. And I was in a shoe store. And I heard this beat. I'm going like my beat. And I was like, yo, I told the girl working. I was like, yo, I did that with my boy Dallas. He's like, yeah, whatever. You did that. Anyway, do you want to buy the shoes or not? I was like, actually did but um you know it would be like that man it was a normal thing back then it seems big now because it got so big but it was a normal uh it was some hip-hop it was it's funny it was r&b but it was some hip-hop shit that's what we did you know we got to create and what we created ended up going you know far you know that's dope that's dope you know now you- at that same time mm-hmm. you saw outcast and um uh, organized noise which is another camp also from the neighborhood they were doing their thing all these people were in the same studios. We recorded everything in one or two studios in the city. One room would be Outkast. This room would be Monica. And that <laughs> other room would be some underground hip-hop shit. You know, oh, uh, Eric Sermon. He was there a lot. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Anyway. That's dope. So, right. um, I, I, I'm just like, uh, you know, thinking about all this stuff happening at the same time. So, one of the one of the things I, I did hear you mention, like, in a previous interview was the uh, creep song you guys got sued for? So yeah, what, yeah. What exactly you know was that about? Like I feel like there's such a weird line between what you can use, what you can sample, what you cannot. Like so, what like you know what was that all about? So with that, it might have been my fault, but I didn't know. <laughs> so what happened was, if you sample, they said you can't sample over a certain amount of seconds. That's what they told us. Well, we said we're gonna get over on that. Dallas said don't sample it, cut it, use the turntable and cut it in. I said, bet. So I cut in. Guess who's back? And I think I got it from Slick Rick or I got it from Public Enemy. One of the two. Because he says, guess who's back? Back is the Incredible. I'm Animal. Incredible. D. And now it was a Slick Rick. And um, I cut it in. It was only a few seconds. You heard it. It just says, guess who's back? Guess who's back? Yeah. Well, the brother Shinehead, which is a reggae artist out of London, Jamaica, London. He was, he heard, he was like, yo, I want to get my money. <laughs> and so they had to pay him. You know what I'm saying? And so, I mean, that don't come out of us, though. I'm just let people know. A lot of people be like, you sample, you got to pay. Not when you deal with the labels. The labels uh, got to pay because they put it out. You know what I'm saying? You. But I wasn't mad because it didn't come out of my pocket. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? It didn't come out of none of our pocket. And he got paid big, too, I heard. And uh TLC... Uh, ended up blowing up, blowing up. Like they blew up. Yeah, I think it hit like 24 million or something crazy like that. So 
it was a really good thing, you know what I'm saying? And you hear a lot of nightmares, you know, because people did get done in. I was, I got done in. I ain't gonna front as far as so it happened more pain. than that, huh? It it happened more than that in regards to like getting sued over certain things, uh, issues well, with things. Well, it, yeah, I mean, yeah, it happens. It happened a lot. You know what I'm saying? Because that was, if you remember, I think the first guy to get sued for sampling was Bismarcky, and I forget. It was one of them big records. They got him, and um. So then they just start chasing everybody after that. And so that's when we had to get smart. And then that's when sample clearance began, actually. But it's just, I'm just saying, like, as far as just people, if you read, you hear, or you see on TV, TLC say they got done in for money. A lot of us got done in for money. It wasn't just them. It was a lot of us. You know what I'm saying? But you just keep going and you keep grinding and then you figure out and you learn over time, which I did. And like I said, at the same time, I might be in a club battling Diddy them. I remember this one night. Puffy at the time. <laughs> the mop. You ever heard of the mop? The mop tops. The mop tops. You seen? Remember the Mariah Carey video mm-hmm. with all the dances back in the day? Mm-hmm. So it was a whole bunch of brothers that dance in that video. We battled them one night in a club in New York, and then I jump on a plane or drive back because I drove mostly. Drove back to Atlanta to go work on some music, and then go back over here and then work out with Rocksteady, and then go to. Austria and teach class or go to, you know what I mean? So it, I was moving the whole time. Like I'm talking about like up until like 97, nonstop, nonstop. You know what I'm saying? So with your, with your music, um, you know, you're doing the scratching. Um, when I listen to your music, it's like a marriage between the artist um, and then the beat that you create. Um, so I kind of wanted to know, like, what your creation process is like to to just consistently make that happen. Like, almost like the artist is just the, the flow and the beat is just together, just, you know, in sync. Like, how do you put that together like that? I look at artists, working with artists and music, and I've said this often, but I have to say it. It's like a tailor. It's like when you go buy your pants and if you are 34 in the waist. And a 32 length. I can't give you 38 in the waist and a 40 length. It's not going to fit right. So I do the same thing with music. I'll initially make a beat for somebody. They'll go right to it. When they bring it back, I'll shape the beat around whatever the artist did. So if you listen to a lot of my music, it sounds like the rapper is with the beat. But actually the rapper's doing that. And I will come behind the rapper and play what the rapper did. I move the drums with the... With, 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 with the voice. Somebody who mastered that is Buster Rhymes. That dude will roll with the beat. And I always thought that was really dope. So, because I, I look at the vocals like an instrument, just like I use the instruments, but I usually like to tailor the beat to the actual artist. And that's what I do. And it ends up coming out good. You know what I mean? But it takes, a lot of people just make a beat, they do rap on it, then they throw it out. No, give me back the beat. Give me back what you got. And then I'm going to add what I got to add again and finish out the song. Give them a skeleton and put meat on the bones. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's dope, man. That's how I see it. Yeah, that's really dope, man. Um, another thing I did hear you mention, too, was that when you are producing music, like, you know, because of your consciousness and, you know, what you believe music is supposed to be for, um, you do tell artists to kind of watch their lyrics and um, yeah, to make sure that they, they treating the, they respecting the culture. So yeah, you ain't gonna kill much? nobody or, 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 or pimp no women on my song. <laughs> so I was thinking, like, how much power does a producer have, and and what uh, uh, uh it depends on the producer. He's saying, yeah. So it depends on the producer. It depends uh, on the producer. 
you know, if somebody come by a beat for me and then that's it, they just bought the beat and they went and rapped, I can't control that. You know what I mean? They just end up doing it. But most times, well, for me in the last 20 something odd years, most rappers, when they come to me, they already know. Messiah not going to really play no BS. I can't murder too many dudes on my song. I'm going to have to, you know, build with him. But I tell them no. You know what I'm saying? If, especially when they're working with Cyrock, I'd be like, you ain't pimping nothing. You ain't B-I-T-C-H-ing with her. You're not doing none of that. If you want to <laughs> rhyme with her, then you rhyme. But you will have to be intelligent enough to be able to not uh, be degrading to our people on this music because... You know, we got enough of that. You know what I mean? We don't have, it's got to be a balance. I I get it. You can have some fun and get lit and some gangster shit on music, but what about the other side? We ain't always got it. How many people you killing a day? How many rocks you selling in a day? Do you ever sit down and eat? Do you ever build with your friends, family, mother, father, children? So my thing is make sure that you got some balance and I'm good. But sometimes, you know, you, 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 you can't control it, but I try to make sure I'm picky about what I do. Yeah, that's powerful, man. That's powerful. Um, another part of your creation process, like just creating, you use this a lot of samples. The the beats are heavy. Like, do you separate things like in your head and then put it together, or is everything just coming together at the same time? Like, what's your like work process? It's like? a little bit of everything. Sometimes a sample will catch me. Sometimes I just have something because a lot of music I do will sound like a sample, but it's not. I make it sound like a sample because I like the way samples sound. But I use samples like an instrument. So I use, uh, I still use drum machines and keyboards, right? So right here, even right here, I don't know if you can see it on the camera. I use the, um, yeah, this drum machine. This is the, 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 the Ka, uh-huh. it's the X, MPC X. And I will sample and then separate samples into pieces into notes and then play them back the way I want them to be played back. So it just depends on what I hear and what I feel. You know what I mean? Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it don't. Most times, because of how long I've been doing it, you're talking about sitting down making beats from 1986 till right now. Right. That's a long time. Every day when I'm capable of doing it, but you end up kind of mastering it. You know what I mean? One of the people I love and love to watch make music is, um, and here is DJ Premier. Mm. That dude. Yeah, he's dope. He understands the art of the sample. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of people don't understand how to chop a sample up. You know what I mean? And that's an art in itself. You know what I'm saying? So I try to keep that, keep that in mind when I'm creating. But it's like, you know, it's like drinking water. That's what I do. So um, <laughs> I used to do sound design when I was younger and I would sell sound design, meaning take samples, chop them up, drums, everything. And I would sell these discs to producers. So I had like, Eric Sermon, a lot of people got them discs. They were like, I need some drums. I'd be like, I got a thousand drums for you. you just give me this much money. And I would sell them joints. You know what I'm saying? But um, but that was my main thing with Dallas them. I would sound design. I would just sample, catch snares and kicks and hi-hats and sounds and just to for creation. You know what I mean? But I'm I'm into that to to the sound. But you know, as of late, uh with Cyrock, I like I said, I just been more uh, tailoring the music to what she does, you know what I mean? Which I think comes out in, she doesn't end up sounding like nobody else. Her music doesn't, yeah. her lyrics don't, the way it's delivered, it's it's unique. Yeah, I think you guys got a good, just a great combination, you know, where you complement each other and you can kind of feel the chemistry in her music. So it's been pretty dope just as, yeah. a, as a listener, just listening to, because to, I, I listen to it in pieces. I listen to, the beat and then I'm listening to Cyrox flow and then I'm listening to 
her lyrics. So it's like I do it piece by piece, like, you know, maybe the third, fourth time I'm doing something else in regards to, you know, what, what's going on. So it's pretty, pretty dope how you guys put that together. Um, yeah, man. Another thing I've heard you mention is that, um, you know, financially, you really haven't done anything else but producing, but DJing since the age of 11, man. So, um, you know, a lot of people, when they get in this type of industry, it's up and down, left and right. Sometimes you got to hustle and do some other stuff or get a nine to five and, you know, whatever before things happen. So how have you kind of been able to sustain yourself through music for so long, man? Well, remember, I did a little bit of everything. With the b-boying, I was dancing, so I got paid for that. I just mentioned sound design. I got paid for that, for sampling and and and, and sounds. But also making independent music, because you can't always wait on the labels. I always did music, in, well, not always. I probably put my first record out independent in 96 or 7. But I always had something that I was doing. And I was a DJ. So in the downtime, you know, I'm DJing jams me it was me i came up with little john the uh the the dj little john yeah because it's a drummer right. here and it's a dj so me and little john came it's up a small, together it's DJ. a small world in atlanta huh it let every man if i told you, you wouldn't believe what's come through here but me and little john was in high school we knew each other he was skating and i was breaking and uh he was a dj and so we rocked parties late 80s early 90s so i would end up djing to supplement and make money and throw parties you know what i'm saying like usher's dj um dj mars that's one of my cats. I love that dude. That was my young cat then. And I would do these parties and I would bring in DJs to open up before I DJed. And he was one of them. But um, we, we would DJ. But I was always able to do something. But, you know, in this culture, there's so many parts of it. You know, I mean, so many things that you can do. This is pre-internet, of course. But you had to be physically in the place. You had to have your skill. You couldn't talk about it on the internet and be like, I do this and I do that. You had to <laughs> actually be able to do it. And that's what you're talking about. That's where that 10,000 hours comes in. Because if you was a B-boy and you was going to break, or you got to catch wreck, or you're going to get dog. If you was a DJ, you got to actually DJ wax vinyl. You know what I mean? And be able to rock a party. You know what I mean? If you was going to rap, it wasn't no paper. It wasn't no phone. They was rapping. You know what I mean? But I'm saying all that to say, I was able to utilize the skills that I grew up learning to be able to monetize and make money. And, you know, it's been pretty good. I went through, I did work in a record shop, by the way, in 1988. Okay. But because I wanted to sell mixtapes in there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but I always did something selling cassettes at first, and then it was CDs, you know what I mean? And then all that disappeared, and now we back to waxes and stuff. And I'm, in fact, I even got a cassette for uh, this album that I put out. You know really? what I'm saying? I got wax cassette That's and dope. CDs. You know what I'm saying? That's dope, man. So, um, yeah, man. I, I ju you just have to utilize what you have to get what you need. Mm. I know another thing that that I I guess you know from doing all the music back back in the day when you were working with Dallas Austin as well. You say you still collecting um royalty checks from that. So what what yeah, yeah you get you get. I mean, if 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 you're smart enough and you realize I caught it, I, a lot of it I missed. Don't get it twisted. I'm gonna be real with you. I'm gonna be one hundred. I did not get. 90% of what I'm supposed to get. You know what I mean? We probably wouldn't even be talking right now if it, <laughs> if it went the way that it went for Dallas. Or, you know what I mean? But I did, I do get, and if you do your business right, I've been at a check from 1992. Same check every couple of months. You know what I mean? Several of them. So, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, this is for young people. Have your business straight in the beginning. 
or you end up missing out. Because I know people that don't get no check, and they started when I started, wow. and they work in jobs, or they broke. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's it's not their fault. It's ignorance, meaning we don't, you know, we don't know, you know. But I just I just ended up learning. You know what I'm saying? Like okay, let me get let me set my business up so that you know what I mean because that money goes somewhere. Mm. People don't realize if it's a record out, somebody getting a check. You just not getting it. That's facts, man. I feel like uh, you know uh, the the old school DJs like y'all had to really transition hard, man, and just learn so much in regards to kind of how things are done now and you still making music now so like how have you been able to kind of like transition you know into the electronic age and keep things relevant and still produce music in the same way that you produced it when you were doing the turntables and all that well like like i dj for saw rock herself actually like i don't dj in the club no more that's been forever but i still dj behind saw rock so and a lot of uh it's starting to come back but most rappers you know they just be rapping they don't have no dj you know what i'm saying right. but i believe in the the original setup which is the mc and the dj and um so uh you got to be able to still have that skill set you know and, and just practice but I, like i said i'm always on the road so i'm always djing and be able to put your music out independently now with Cyrock, we're going into the 13th album to the 13th 14th 14th album we put one record out with my people over at Rhymes but 12 albums before that it was just us we just put it out ourselves you know what I mean and that record those records from the first record sell continuously or play continuously you know what I mean and you got to be able to uh you know handle all that business and so that's what we've been doing you know what I mean for a long time you know uh you know being able to just Still use all the facets, with the exception I'm not breaking much no more at all, but still using all the facets, putting it into the music, and, you know, we're working through the computers now, you know what I'm saying? So, I think what? that's super impressive, man, because I look at some of the older folks of the generation, man, the uh, technology era just kicked their butt, man, <laughs> and just yeah, like... <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Yo, you got to keep up. They just was like, I know we'd be like old school, we'd be like, nah, man, I don't know nothing about that. We'd be acting like, we'd be on our phone, like my parents, they'd be like this, nah, man, you got to learn it. But I learned it from the beginning. Because like, when we first was recording, people don't know, we use this thing called tape machines. Uh, so we were recording to two inch tape, it's like this big, a tape, like a cassette tape, but it's this big. Right. And then we moved to digital, which are digital recorders. So it'd be a machine, uh, like a four track and you record to that. Then it went to the computer. So if you're actively working on music and you put it out, you got to keep up. So I just had to keep up because I was actively putting out music from the nineties going into the two thousands. So I learned all of those, uh, changes over time. And, um, you know, I still try to keep the same, uh, method that I use in the beginning though, because one thing you realize is R&B, Further back, you know, early 90s, still sticks. Those are the classics. You know what I'm saying? Hip hop too. So I use the same methods that I recorded then to do the new music. You know what I mean? I still work with musicians. I like live bass. So I'll play it on the keyboard, but then I'll send it over to my bass player and he'll replay it. And it's got a more warm sound. If you listen to Cyrox, she still, she'll do backgrounds and singing on her rap records, which gives it a warmer feel. And it's just, it's more palatable to the ear for something to be more soulful in it. It's got movement to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's dope, man. Now with Sarah, she like prior to you guys connecting and making music, she never made music before. 
So how like how did you know that she was special in regards to what she was able to do, or was it just like y'all was just having? It was a know, bet. We made a bet one uh-huh. time. We said I was in the studio working on Nappy Roots, and she was in the studio just visiting, and she said one day she said I can rap. She couldn't. I was like, <laughs> yeah, right. Like she's sitting back in the studio. I was like, yeah, right. All right. Anyway, whatever. So I'm working. And she's like, no, I can't. I can write a rap. Give me one of them beat tapes. It was a beat CD. I was like, girl, you can't rap. And uh, she's like, I can. Just give it to me. So I gave her a beat CD. A week or two went by. She came back and said, I got the rap. I was like, all right. Play the, I played the beat. I said, go in the booth. I don't want to hear it. Just go in the booth. She had never been in no booth. She went in and she spit. And I was just like. You wrote that? She was like, yeah. I was like, do it again. And I recorded it. And uh, from that point on, 13 albums later, <laughs> she didn't even know she could do it. And I mean, like, she just started discovering it. And she, then she discovered she could sing. Then she discovered, you know what I mean? She discovered all these things. And I was like, wow, you're actually good at this. And I remember trying to get her to quit her job. I was like, yo, you ain't got to do this no more. You you are, you are actual viable artist. And that took a while for her to get that but she decided one day okay i'm gonna go full time and it was dope man it's been history you know absolutely. what i'm saying absolutely yeah, man it, you know sometimes it takes somebody else to help you find out what you're capable of doing you know what i mean and um uh, you know since then we've been working together ever since and it's been you know for being and you know so people know it's difficult on women you know especially if you're doing real music and you're not doing degrading music degrading yourself it's a lot more difficult but she stuck with it, and because of that, uh, she's been able to make a living out of it. You know yeah, I, mean? I feel like we needed that so bad, mm-hmm. too, like, you know, in regards to just the ideology that, you know, these girls up and coming think if they want to rhyme, they have to show off their body and say certain things mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So we need people like Cyrock to just do it authentically and bring it back, you know what I mean, to Damn the man. actual rhymes and, you know, making sense and the lyrical content, so... That's been a breath of fresh air, man. Yeah, indeed. Because, you know, with guys, we do all types of trash. Then we be hard on women a lot of times. It'd be kind of contradictory. We'd be like, all she do is talk about sex. And I'd be like, all we do is talk about drugs and murder. So somebody got to balance it. But I love it, though, man. She, um, and, you know, it, it's, it's been wonderful. Like I said, we're just getting started, even though it's 15 years later. We're just getting started. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It takes time, Word. man. Um. One of the things, like you were, you were kind of a front runner with your deal with Rhymesayers and wanting to make it a joint venture. So, why was that such a big, big deal for you? I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm so grown ass man, and uh, <laughs> it don't make no sense for us to sign to anybody because it's a business. It's a business, and the good thing about Rhymesayers is the brothers over there, they cool. They like I understand that you're doing business. You know what I mean? And there's no frills. You know what I mean? It's like you do what you feel, and we'll make it work. And it's a brother over there named uh, Sadiq and a um, good friend of mine. And it's just wonderful, man. It allows us to be as creative as we want or whatever, but still be able to keep the ownership of our music. You know what I mean? That's one thing I will say about them. They don't take people for their money. That's not what they do. You know what I mean? Uh, they've been around long enough to know, you know what I mean, the ups and downs. And you always do better by making sure that your artists and producers Get their fair square. You get get your money. We get our money, and then we'll work together. You know what I'm saying? And that's what's happened. 
with uh with rhyme series and as you know if you watch rhyme series it was only a certain kind of a certain type of hip hop over there with the exception of doom Sarah came in it you know it helped bring it into the future you know what I'm saying and uh, I mean because they're legendary they do their thing they don't need us you feel what I'm saying but the marriage of it has been dope absolutely you know what I'm saying and speaking of that that kind of brought about the whole tiny desk recognition and um mm-hmm. recently the BET Awards man so you know I gotta ask you about you know that whole experience, man. Because I was watching the Cipher, man, and Cyrox just—it was no contest, man. I was like, man, they couldn't have gave her some better, some better comp. <laughs> yeah, man, that was really dope. When they asked us, man, I was like, I saw the email, and I was like, because you know, I've been, you know, of course, if you like with us, we we watched the BT Wars for years, and we'd be like, man, if they ever let Cyrox on there, it's over. <laughs> but see, that was when they was like they had Primo and all of them, and it was crazy back then. But then yeah. when we get in, of course, they get a pushing PB. I'm like, really? But she was like, I bet I catch wreck on it regardless. And I'm gonna say something, and it was dope, man. It was a really good look because even in that awards, if you saw it, that awards had the the loud um, loud records reunion, which is Dead Prez and Mob Deep and Lil Kim, and it was really dope that she was able to be on that specific awards. And ironically. A lot of people don't know. I was on Loud Records, really, <laughs> late, like late nineties, early two thousands, and it was just dope to see everybody. You know what I'm saying? Because I worked on Dead Prez, and I also had a group on Loud early. It just never came out because Loud closed down before I could put out the album on this group I had out of Atlanta. But it was just it, it was just dope for her to be able to be on that cipher, where at the same time you had um you know Wu Tang Clan. You know what I mean? Like. I don't know if they're gonna be able to top that next year. If you think about it, yeah, that's you know that, how you gonna come back? You got those Mom legends, D, man. Wu Tang, Little Kim, Fat Joe, Dead Prez. I mean, that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's legendary. Mm-hmm. All right, I um, want to ask you also about um, your your album God Complex. And I know mm-hmm. first thing people are like, "Yo, do you have a God Complex? Why'd you name it God Complex and all that stuff?" But, you know, I know the background of your whole God hop and all that stuff. So um, can you kind of elaborate on, you know, your whole movement with the God hop and then the ideology so God, behind God So complex? with God hop, it is um, hip hop all grown up, as me and Tyrock always say. And the reason I titled it God Complex is because, um, like I always say, complex is two things. It's many things. But the main two things you think of is a complex, a mental constraint that you're in, a mindset, or an actual physical building, a complex. Mine's is the latter. And it's the first one too, though. But it is a building with the culture of hip-hop in it, from the bottom to the top, top to the bottom, with all of the facets in each floor. You know what I mean? And... You know, we are in control of the culture. A lot of people say we're not, but we are. So that's a lot. That's another way that I look at it. Like, yeah, you know, you got a complex, a God complex, because I know that I am the maker and the owner of everything that I do. And what we name as God, positive, negative, whatever it is, is inside of man and woman. So we control everything around us, you know. Um, so that's why I call it the God complex. And the imagery is kind of bugged out. People are like, wait, what's going on? Is he a Buddhist monk? Is he Jesus? What is he? He's all that and none of that. You understand what I'm saying? So with God hop, 
uh, if you listen to the album, no, it's full of MCs that are saying something. You know what I mean? It's like the it's a dream lineup. But my whole point is I wasn't going to use a whole bunch of popular people. I just want to use what I like, people and brothers and sisters that are saying something. And that's just the first of an installment of a whole bunch of albums. I'm going to do it till I can't do it no more. That's but dope. that's what God Complex is. That's dope, man. Um, I was just thinking, too, like, because you have just a discography of just different people that you've worked with, that you've been around. Um, so that will, will they be in future God complexes? And- yeah, man. Working on, I'm, I'm consistently, I'm always working. But yeah, I got, I'm I'm trying to just keep going. You know what I mean? It's a lot of them I want to, to build on this, but I'm constantly recording. So um, more music to come. Next up though is going to be Sarah, her new album, which is crazy by the way. Nuts. Looking forward to that, man. Looking forward to that. Um, mm-hmm. What 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 is it that actually keeps you kind of going right now? Because I feel like um, you know some some of the old school guys are like man these new school cats they're killing it like not in a good way but they, they like uh <laughs> are, you know destroying it and I don't want to be a part of this no more and um you know I'm done kind of thing or they just kind of get tired of it you know tired of making music and doing certain things and they go on to other stuff so what has kind of kept you in the game and still loving you know what you're doing and continuing well you know a lot of brothers and sisters from my era honestly man they didn't just get old they was living they was living a little too good (laughs) for instance a lot of brothers and sisters be sick drunk how they be messed up they had too much fun when they were young and they just get run down and worn down and then when things don't work you know how when you're trying to put an album out you're working on music and it don't blow up yeah they get discouraged see for me it's not that it didn't blow up it was consistency i have a love for the culture i actually like making beats it's like making a you know how people take model cars and they make them and put it together and they get joy out of that. I do that with music. I do that with DJing. And another thing that kept me alive, I think, was Cyrock. When when I wasn't discouraged when I met her, but it was 15 years ago working on music. And it was like, wow, this is dope. What can I do next? What can we do next? And working with her has rekindled that fire. You know what I mean? But then again, in the culture from B-Boy and MC and DJ and graffiti, I stayed in touch with the brothers and sisters that were still doing it. And they all say the same thing. I love what I do. Me and Crazy Legs, still tight. That's my boy. I speak to him every day or two. I get to speak to uh who I had. I used to work with. I used to work with uh I work with a lot of different people, but uh Stickman from Dead Press, he don't live far from me. He's still building and doing his thing. We keep in touch. You know what I mean? A lot of different people that I build with are soldiers that still doing it. And, you know, we end up building. Brother Ali, uh uh, Aesop Rock, the, the MC from Rhyme Says. A lot of these cats I get to talk to on a regular basis and they love what they do. So, you know, you end up being able to build with people who are still doing it and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's motivating. Oh, Black Thought, by the way, good, good friend of mine, one of my best friends. And that's one of my he favorite artists right there, man. There you go. <laughs> exactly. So he, you know, I met him in like 93, 94, something like that. And he's still going. I mean, he done took it to another level, of course. He's doing plays and TV shows and all this stuff. But he's he keeps me on my toes at all times. You know what I mean? He drops something. I hit him and be like, that's crazy. I drop something. He'd be like, that was dope. And, and in fact, I'm trying to get him to do something now, working on something else. But that's what I'm talking about. People like that 
keep me motivated. You know what I mean? I end up meeting a lot of the newer young cats, you know what I'm saying? And being able to build with them. A lot of the, uh, Conway. I like that kid. He's dope. You know what I'm saying? He's keeping people on their toes from Griselda, uh, Conway the Machine. I like this new kid, um, RJ Payne. I haven't heard of him. Hell, you have it. You don't know. He's crazy. Look up RJ Payne. This kid is dope. And uh, ain't even no kid though. He just yeah, most people are younger than me, but <laughs> but it's a lot of people that you know. What I mean, I, I'd be like, you know, they keep me motivated. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, you know, I, I love Black Star. I just heard a song Black Star did on that West Side Gun album. Dope. You know what I mean? So like stuff like that. Killer Mike, by the way, who's from Atlanta, always rhyming and doing his thing. You know what I mean? So like people like that. You know, they they they, they keep me motivated. Mad Lib. You know what I mean? Crazy. I got to also ask you, too, what's your take on Coast Contracts? I know I just seen that you did a little beat from one of their tracks. Yeah, I like them dudes, man. And, like, I think anybody who knows hip-hop or not, when you hear them, it's something. You're like, what is this? They got the energy. They also are the children of royalty out this mug. But, <laughs> you know, that's Roscoe's children, the twins. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. But, but, but. I think they dope. I want to work with them on this new. I already reached out. So, you know, I'm letting everybody know. So if y'all hearing this and they ain't got it yet, tell them Messiah trying to get in touch with them. I did a remix because I just liked them. You know what I'm saying? But um, I'm trying to put them on this next God Complex album. That would be so, hot. You know. That would be fine. Yeah. But I, I think they dope. They're some mm-hmm. of the ones that I'm probably most excited about emceeing in the game right now. You know what I'm saying? Because they're doing stuff that we yeah. haven't heard since Lisa the New School with busting them. You know what I mean? And they do it just as good, if not better. It's crazy. So, you know, I really love them dudes. You know what I'm saying? I, I just saw them, too, in New York the other month. Uh, just Blaze was doing an event in New York, and they were performing. And uh, it's another young group, by the way, named Villain Park. Look them up. They're dope. They're out of L.A., and it's like four kids. Like, they're younger than them. Like, they're like, they might be 21. Like three or four of them, and they dope. Villain Park. They was on tour with them, and I just happened to find them online one day, and then I was with Merce in Los Angeles one day, and he was like, "Villain Park is it?" I was like, "Oh, okay, I heard of them, but you know, we'll see if they pop off. I hope somebody gives them that light." Yeah, me too, yeah, man. I would I love, love to you know, love to hear that collab. <laughs> yeah, look up Villain Park. It's crazy. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I like to put uh, if I can. I'm gonna put Sarak with a lot of these cats and watch her eat all their food up if she can. <laughs> That's what she do. She eats your food. Yo, real. she she like a lyrical like soldier, man. Like she just goes in there mm-hmm. and just like yeah, she man. she her lyrics make you make ugly faces. Like oh, like you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like you got to rewind. Like wait, what did she say? Yeah, <laughs> word word. That's why I can't yeah. wait for people to hear these new records, man. It's there. She got records with like I said, she's done, and y'all will hear it soon. She got records with Cats and Wu Tang. She got dope. Man, she, I mean, put this way, and most of them come to us. We don't go to them. They be like, "Can I do a record with Sarah Rock?" I'm like, "Yes, you can." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna say no. Are you crazy? But yeah, yeah I mean, I'm but, excited, uh, man. I'm excited for um, you know people like that to kind of become mainstream again and to mm-hmm. revert hip hop back to its original form, man. And I think that it's a perfect time for that, man. You know? Yeah, it is. It is. I, I have a good feeling about it. I think we'd be able to do it. You know what I'm saying? Just got to stay focused and don't fall victim to what you think people want to hear. Nobody want to hear that. How, like I said, how many people you going to kill on your way to work? You know mm. what I mean? You want to feel good too? You want to learn something? Come on, Karis One will never go out to me. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's crazy. That's facts, man. All right. Um, 
before we wrap up, man, I wanted to get into a little activity here called what's your favorite? Just identifying a few of your favorite things, getting to know you a little bit more. Um, so yeah, man, we just talked about just your, your, your life making music and it's like almost a movie, man. Um, so if you could go back and like, you know, your greatest hits, favorite memories, um, along the way that you formulated being in the industry and in the game, like what would be like, you know, a few of them. One would be the one I told you when I, when I met the full Roxette crew in New York at that rap party with Crazy Legs and Mr. Wiggles and Ken Swift all at one party. And um, that was one when I entered the Rocksteady crew. Actually, another one is one of the things that inspired me was dope. So I was in the Universal Zulu Nation and we had a concert in Manhattan, the Zulu concert. And I remember it was Rocksteady crew, Wu-Tang Clan performing and Tribe Called Quest performing. And that is the same concert where Q-Tip and Fife got into a beef and battled. If, 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 if anybody knows about that, that's the most legendary battle of, it was actual beef in the crew and they battled on stage. And it was, we was like, what is going on? I remember <laughs> that. That was nuts. I don't even know what year that was. Gotta be like 94 or five, whenever they broke up the first time and then they got back together. Um, another one, 1995, I think it was, was I was at the actual Source Awards where Andre Benjamin was like, the South got something to say? Hmm. Remember with Biggie mm-hmm. and Suge was like, you want to come to a real label, come to Death Row? You was there. You want to dance in your video? I was there in the <laughs> second row. Wow. Because uh, at that time, the reason I was in New York, I was there for two reasons. I went up with Outkast to go to the awards and we had a group that we had in there, uh, they didn't perform and then they just had were guests. And there's this group named Illegal. Remember Illegal? I it was not remember the guys. Ma- it was Malik and Jamal. Uh and they had a group named Illegal and they worked with Eric Sermon. And we shot the video for Illegal in New York that day where Eric go back and look at I think it's called Fades Em All. It might be Fades Em All and it's Eric Sermon and Illegal. In fact, I'm in a video. That's a test. Y'all go look at the video with Illegal and Eric Sermon. You'll see me in the video. I was <laughs> mad. I'm mad short now, but I was mad small like one of the kids, but I was mad grown up and they were kids. But we was at the Source Awards when uh, Snoop Dogg was like, New York ain't got love for Snoop Dogg. I was there for that one, wow. which was crazy. Those, that's like that classic hip hop memories right there, man. man that, that room was so crazy because it was Dungeon Family, which is the crew I was with sitting in one row. Behind us was... Uh, Biggie's crew, uh, Mafia. What's her name? Um, Little season them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Junior uh, Mafia. Junior Mafia. There's a whole bunch of them. Mm. They was kids. They was crazy too. Um, over here to my right, behind us was Queens Bridge. All of Mob Deep. Staten Island was directly behind us on the left, which is Wu Tang and them. The whole room was hip hop. And I remember outside, uh, Raekwon had a a promo or demonstration for his albums that was coming out and he had ninjas doing kung fu wow. outside. It was crazy. Uh Biggie's people had the Big Macs with the tape in it, <laughs> puffing yeah. them. It was I remember you say you met Biggie too, right? Yeah, yeah. I met Biggie when he was younger. He used to come to um uh Atlanta with Puff uh, when he was trying to get him going. He was like, I got this kid. He's dope. <laughs> and, um, a little chunky kid. He could rhyme though. He was rhyming. And, um, yeah, he was dope. He was dope. He did his thing. But being a hip hop man, you know, you get to meet a lot of them. Like 
Tupac, all of them. Everybody was here in Atlanta, man. You wouldn't believe it. That's why I, I call Atlanta Atlantis because it, it was the center and it still is of hip hop. And all of the kids of those people, our children are the ones you see now. So if you see the 21 Savages, the, uh, uh, uh what's the kid name? Uh, Future was the young cat trying to rap back then. Um, young thug. I have either seen or know a lot of their parents. It's crazy. And they just watched what was above them and they just kept doing it. It keeps going. You know what that's, I'm saying? That's fascinating. Man. Dope. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right. Um, what has been, I guess, your favorite album ever? My favorite album ever? You know, it'll probably be Blueprint by um, Karis One, probably. Okay. And I think it's because I, I think that's like 88. And that's the time when I left Atlanta. Like, I'm going north. You know what I mean? Going yeah. to Mecca. And I was, that was in my, uh, tape deck then, my, uh, Walkman. And I remember, you know, heading up north and that was the soundtrack. You know what I'm saying? So, Blueprint, I think. Blueprint, gotcha. KRS1. Our favorite beat. Beat by anybody? By anybody. You know what? Um, AT Aliens by Organized Noise, Outcast. That was dope. Uh, um, boom, God, boom. Funny part is, I think I was there when he made that. I don't know. I, mean, I, was, <laughs> I, I just remember I was in the I was in the studio. A lot of the beats that were made and they were amazing to me. But that's one of the craziest beats to me. Oh, that one, and I was here for this one. This beat called Ma- uh, Mainstream by Goody Mob. I remember that session when they recorded it, and I was like, "This beat, this beat is crazy." Yeah, it's funny. Organized noise is a lot of the my favorite. Beats, period. Them and uh, Primo. Got you. What's your favorite um, hip-hop line? Hip-hop line? Um, that's a hard one right there. <laughs> it is It is either in Cyrox Forever is full of lines. In her song Forever, um, the whole song that whole first <laughs> verse that whole first verse of Forever by Cyrock and uh, Andre Andre Benjamin said one time he said once upon a time was a boy who, twice upon a time was a boy who died his verse his second verse in Equimini that song Equimini crazy is it's crazy it's a lot of them no I can't pin them I know it's Cyrock <laughs> and Andre Benjamin I know those are the two lyricists that are most impactful lyrically to me. I'll be like, what did you just say? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I got you. All right. So let's just say like we do a Mount Rushmore for you of hip hop in regards to all the elements that, you know, you've talked about today. Like who would be in your Mount Rushmore? Crazy Legs for B-Boying as a breaker. It was a graffiti artist who passed away named Case. K-A-S-E. Y'all look him up. He had one arm. He was one of the most amazing graffiti artists. Case, graffiti, b-boying, crazy legs, MCing for who happened to be a woman. I'm gonna say Sarah, not just because that's my other half, but ain't nobody eating food with her. She the one. I agree. Black Thought uh, as an MC, Andre Benjamin as an MC, DJ Premier as a producer, and. All of my cast from Organized Noise. It's a whole bunch of them on there, by the way. So that means the whole thing will fill up. So Organized, Primo, Black Thought, Cyrock, Crazy Legs, and Case. Got you. That's, that's, Those that's, are the gods of hip-hop to me. 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, so who would be like your favorite person, like past, present, um, that you would want to sit down and have a conversation with? My favorite person I did have a conversation with, he passed away, was Prince. That dude is dope. Dope. Like, like what one was of that the conversation was. I'm going to have to tell that another day, but it was dope. <laughs> I got to say that one. I'll never talk about it. It's the first time I have even told people I got to sit down with him. That's dope, but I sat man. down with Prince, man. Let me put you like this. I'll tell you this. It was me and Stickman from Dead Press. We got to sit with him and build with him. And that dude is dope. You know, I was already a, a, a he, he's like an icon, an idol of me uh, musically, but um, I got to meet with him and it was really dope. That's somebody that I, I did get to. People like, yo, I, yo, who would you want to sit down with? I already did. You know what I'm saying? And uh that's dope, man. That's a, that's a real dude right there. I'm sure he gave some gems during that. Um, so yeah, he did. Man. Our next one. <laughs> now you don't got to tell us if it was from. Yeah, you don't got to tell us if it was from Prince. But um, what's been your favorite life gem that anybody has ever given you? Uh, he probably remembered this, but Too Short said it. One day we were sitting. Too Short. It was a couple of cats in the room. He said, "Hip hop." like a roller coaster music just doing this thing and you get on it's gonna go up so you're gonna be popping but it's gonna go down but you don't get off you just stay on the roller coaster and it's always gonna go up you might go down but you always go up it's funny like i said i he probably he probably remember that he used to live in atlanta and he was doing his thing down here and i, I remember him saying that it's crazy but that that was one of the dopest jewels and i i, I live by that I stay on the roller coaster, which kind of answers your question from a while back. How do you keep going? I just stay on it. You know what I'm saying? And just for better or for worse. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So speaking of hip hop, man, um, what is your, your like vision for hip hop as you pass the torch? You know what I mean? To the younger generation, where would you be happy to see it go? Back to the f- four elements, man. As long as you can keep your eyes on understanding it's not just rap, that it involves facets b-boy and mc and dj and graffiti in other words art dance fashion shit five of them the whole thing and keeping it holistic if they can if, if we can keep that in sight no matter how it sounds as long as it sounds good i have no problem with that but i, I education is the key though education is the key a lot of times they call it mumble rap dumb down rap it is we got to get back to studying and getting knowledge of ourselves. If we can keep knowledge of ourselves, then nobody can stop it. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, we let it get out of our hands sometimes. But that's because young brothers and sisters don't have knowledge of themselves. So I see it like if we can keep it there and keep the facets uh, and keep it a holistic thing, then we'd be good. I agree. Definitely agree with that. So I think you mentioned you got a documentary brewing up, right? About your life or something like that? Yep. I'm working on it right now, man. Trying to get it tight. Because I feel like we should either write it we should do both. We should write it and put it on tape, whatever we do. I don't care if you just grew up doing whatever. You ain't got to be famous or popular, but I think everybody should write memoirs. And now that we have this medium, put right. it to tape. But yeah, I'm working on that now. Agreed, agreed. So you kind of have uh, power over what your legacy is right now. So what is, as far as legacy, like how do you want to be remembered? How do you want people to think about the work that you did You know, while you were here? Shoot, man. I want to, as long as they know that, uh, I would like to know, make sure that people know that I left something and I emptied my glass, basically. Leave something that you can learn from. That's why I want the music 
it's so important that MCs say something on my music because I want you to be able to get something from it. Like I love Stevie Wonder and I love what Quincy Jones has done and I love what uh, uh, Marvin Gaye and them, all of the classic stuff. Like I want to be remembered like that. You know what I'm saying? I ain't saying I'm on that level because I'm not, but I want to be, I got a lot of work ahead of me. I want you, you to be able to get something from it, to feel good. You know what I mean? When you hear what it is that I leave. You know what I'm saying? And hopefully somebody will pick that up and keep going with it. Yeah, I think that that that's a definitely, you know, what's happening already, man. Can't wait to check out that documentary. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, man. It's been an absolute pleasure, man, just having you on, man. I've learned so much. This was like history of hip hop class right here, man. Um, <laughs> appreciate having you on. Um, we usually ask our guests uh, to leave us with, you know, their favorite quote and what it means to them. So would you do us that honor? Favorite quote. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's so many. <laughs> Let me think about that. Hold on. Because <laughs> it's probably my grandma. She passed away, but she, boy, she was... She was something else. Um, I mean, well, basically, I mean, this is known, but if you, my whole thing is, it's really important that you stand for something. You know, people be like, I'm a stand up guy. I'm doing up. No, stand for something. You know, make sure that people know that you are a part of something. You know, it's good to be a loner and do your thing, but be a part of something and stand on something so that nobody can ever knock you down. Stand on it. Hmm. Definitely something we all should should be thinking about. That that goes along with legacy as well, you know. Word. Stand for something. Definitely. Appreciate that. Um Word. so where where can people find um the God Complex, your music? You can find it on all streaming platforms, man. You can go to soulmessiah.net. That's S O L M E S S I A H dot net or Sarok.com, S A dash roc.com or rhymesayers.com you know and pretty much just type in soul messiah that's s-o-l not s-o-u-l s-o-l like the sun in spanish s-o-l messiah and if you just type that in the music will come up years of it <laughs> tons and tons of it will come up yes sir a lot man. of stuff didn't even get it's funny thing about google is uh people like everything is on google everything's not on google because some of us did it before the internet so a lot of that stuff is not documented it's yeah. probably more not documented than is, which is crazy when you think about it. That is. That's I mean, for myself, but like for brothers and sisters in, in, that has been doing it as long as me, we don't have a lot of that. If you weren't on the news, if you weren't LL Cool J or Jay-Z, if you were just a regular cat doing music, everything you did, you have to tell people, you know what I mean? Which is important about documenting, like we said. Absolutely, man. Um, and again, man, it was definitely a pleasure having you on, man. I remember, like, you know, you and Cyrock have been kind of part of my conscious journey. Like, I started listening to Cyrock in college, and mm. then I noticed, like, who's this soul messiah on every Cyrock record? <laughs> you know? So I started looking at some of your stuff, man, and it was just like, you know, it was just a great journey. It's been a great journey just, um, you know, watching you guys grow and uh, listening to all your music and everything, man. So definitely appreciate the work you guys are doing, man, um, and thanks for coming on. Thank you, brother. Thank you for having me, man. Indeed. Yes, sir. And uh, listeners, support the work at the God Complex um, and Soul Messiah's work. Can't wait to hear Cyrock's new latest album. Uh, maybe we'll try to bring her back 
after she drops that one. <laughs> yeah, she um, told me. She's like, yo, he's dope. He got good conversation. She told me that before we even came on here. Ah, yo, that, that just made yeah. my... <laughs> yeah, man, she surely did. She was like, oh, you sitting that with him? He's dope. I was like, okay. Tell her I appreciate her, man. Um, I got to get yeah. you guys a master, couple mastermind hoodies. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, send them, yeah. man. We getting ready to hit the road soon too. So send them. So we, cause it's good. we going up the East Coast. We coming to New York too, by the way. Oh yeah. So, all right, I got to figure yep, out how to get yep. how to get a um a ticket or something, man. Yeah, you know, holla at your out. brother. I know somebody. <laughs> 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 you good? Just holla at your brother, man. We, we we'll build. Last right. time we was in Brooklyn in the same club and put you like this. She looked out in the audience, and to her left, it was Black Thought. Listen to this. Right there in the front, DJ Premier and Pharrell Mons staring wow. at her while she was rhyming. She was like, oh, my God, I'm about to faint. <laughs> <laughs> but you never know who you run into at a Cy Rock show because everybody's trying to check it out. I want to you know come, saying? man. I want to. Legends be in the building. I'm trying Let's to do be it, there. man. Holler at me, man. The, 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 the crew know. You just send an email. We got you. Yo, let's do <laughs> That's epic, man. Let's do it. Let's do it, man. I'm I'm Word. I'm down. Um man, I don't even know what to say after this, but uh yeah, Indeed, I appreciate man. it, man. I appreciate it so much. Um and uh listeners support Cyrock, support Soul Messiah, um, trying to bring hip hop back to its original elements. Um and of course, remember, your mind is the most powerful tool in the universe. Therefore, if you can think it, you can do it. If you believe in it, you can be it. And if you fight for it, you can have it. The world is yours. This has been your host, Mr. G. And I will see you next time on Mastermind. Peace. This is Soul Messiah and you listen to God Complex. It's more complex than I can describe Click with this fitbit exhibition like a pen and scribe Came out the rap race like a champ rockin' Olympic prize Slaughtered these snakes and rodents round me like it's genocide Let's take five, talking top, who you got? Think he fly? Call me the astronaut The way I rock it can't be synthesized I might just hop out this dimension when the sentence rise Watch me rip a pocket through the fabric of your space and time Lyrically, I'm homicide, album like a eulogy It's got him dead on arrival, I speak reaper fluently Lines Precious artifacts I dig from out the tomb of me Call them haters, archaeologists Live the dragon ruin me Born to defeat these slamming odds I've been a prime, but y'all know me well Me taking L's like an ace of squares Not in the cards, ain't prone to fail Rap God, cause all of my art is full of my blood And tears like the holy grail Every sound I drop, got these MCs spellbound Bars locked up like a holding cell rock, 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 rock. Y'all been sleeping on me like pillow tops on apostrophe. Be fair to Sonic Ether, so apparent your pops repeated. Future cannot be clearer if I had tarot carded or prophesied. I'm several problems, revenge intent on body bagging these fucking demons. Let's go. Retrograding Venus every time I release 16th. It's like my delivery got OCD. Each vocal placement pristine, like a masterpiece. My past release flows replaced to sustain. On my classics got a patina that's gonna erase your esteem. Not my problem. Keep my grill raised just like a cock revolver. Had to learn early to shoot these projectiles for survival. 
Bible. Now I'm an uphill racist to beat my own records, vibing out on electric lady wrapped in textiles from the Sahara. Keep my prayer plain sight like safaris. Vocabulary got him planning acts of harikari. Can't help but think this ink a part of me like calamari. One don't really stand between the world and me like Tanahisi. Talk about it. Straight out the capital, ready to take the nation hostage With these captivating passages out my aching conscience It's like the emancipation of a panther on a waiting target Once I pounce on these beats, I go beast and leave them unresponsive Just try and make sure we on one accord No one's exempt from my tirades, that's why they running for it I'm excavating parts of my brain, I left unexplored My cerebellum like a diamond mine of mysticism in Somali ports Hardly know me, but they think they got me figured out Off one of my old flows, they been too swallowed and then bullshitted out like a mathematic equipment of Jean-Michel And all these rappers like pink by numbers Trying to make the image count Keep some heavy hitters on me like it's contraband Might drop a sumo and keep a few in utero Like a sonogram Born to resurrect this off from like the son of man So I'ma keep converting these mics in the light From y'all can understand Rock Let me fold. 
cold, I died on the cold. Like twilight zone inspired. What's power in the hands of the only fiber is own? Nation of one, earth if you don't divide up. Moses, Joseph, Job, Elijah. They've been waiting for the soul messiah. And this holiest host for holding a ghost inside him. I'm close. Divine chauffeur, driver, Jehovah, higher. The only writer he chose for guiding the ghost. Road through Gaia, posted high up on the dark horse. My saddle and my rope is tied to the coach. Dark horse, gold logo sign on the side of the new chrome. Tessarosa tires with spoke. Whoever stole my lighter is no, no, no. Match for the flame that my dope requires to tote. Indo Flintstone igniter, I smoke. Dove in ocean, holding fire to flow. You a joke if you quote what I wrote. The writers a cold old reciter and potent rhymer. The slut that I hold and light up is a baton. Take a stand, but these cliff notes Don't even let the ink dry Before I lay on the rest with a swift stroke Born with a face of 
of an angel. Vocal arrangements like I'm a fist. Those think I'm a three of my deadliest hit and he set to a melody. Call it a pitchfork. My melanin stain allows me to dwell in the flames like Osiris. My papyrus made me underworld king. Keep a chalice full of hyperskins like blood in my veins. Y'all know my body up goddess. They fuck with none of my gang. Ain't checking in none of my chains. Here's hoping they took it well. My future gold in your obsolete like tokens and brick the rail. The holy book of Sidewalk got the globe pushing my tail. Depicted on the walls of Giza with the soul crooking the flail. That's Pharaoh talk. Heroes descended from Pharaoh's dark. So I go ride them, pull apart my bio to the barrel shot. Say my arrow rap, look where I'm a rap native like arrow rap. My commander, this cadence, make him yes, tell me like arrow fat. I intersect the clarity sex in the side of Shakur. Premier the met in a gown with two straps and call it Qatar. Meditate with a stick of coke, pile on how the best of DC and soak out meat on the track and see your most active fans with no probable cause. See, I've been trying to make it clear that I'm rap G.O.D. Ringing a new year with power circles only, she on me. I'm out to squash the earth habitually, torching verses till my author wants to drop the opposition to one knee. Rolling through the forest is the hardest lyrical artist. Rolling through the forest is the hardest lyrical artist. 